This is for you. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, this for my dogs from the east to the west side. Rocket brown and orange with me, baby. Let's ride. Represent the land, let them know, tell them, here we go, brownies, here we go, yeah, here we go. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I'm Allie Heisong, coming at you live from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And of course, we've got Dustin out in Boise. Dustin, how you doing? Little under the weather, not gonna lie, but uh, I think I'll be fine. Um, just a little under the weather, but the week's been pretty decent. Um, it's 50 degrees here a couple days this week, so the snow is gone. We snow's been gone for a while, but it's been a pretty good week, not too bad in my world. Well, it's gonna be uh 70 degrees here tomorrow, <laughs> which will be quite nice no i'll be honest with you it's been it's been up and down here like we've had the the cold the cold weather for south mm-hmm. carolina we're like yeah. 40s you know 50s with wind it, it's not warm and then we'll get like 70 75 which is great but that up and down man my allergies are just all over the place i can see that but yeah. we're living. We're living. We're here. We're doing it. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We're very excited. Here at about 8.30, we're going to be welcoming on Eric Metcalf, Cleveland Browns legend, to talk all things Browns and, of course, the Super Bowl. Uh, before we get into it, we want to thank our sponsors. You can see them running below here. Um, but Dustin, Super Bowl, Sunday. Then we had Valentine's Day. Then my sister's birthday. Shout out, Isabel. Happy birthday. Uh, but Valentine's Day if you're single? Galentine's, Galentine's Day, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, how'd, that, how'd the Super Bowl go for you? What were, what were your thoughts? What'd you think? Well, I was in a house with a lot of Bengals fans. And I call them the, you know, underdog bandwagon Bengal fans. And I'm like, yeah, here we are. And I was really, really nervous. I'm not going to lie, with a couple minutes left in the Super Bowl going, seriously, this is going to happen, and I'm going to have to deal with this for a long time. And then Aaron Donald did what Aaron Donald does, and I was very happy. And I was thinking, hmm, if you're the owner of the Bengals and you just saw that moment and go, hmm, maybe I should have had a left tackle in the draft this year. I know wide receiver is nice. <laughs> Allie and I were sitting in Cleveland saying, you know, they got to go left tackle, generational left tackle right here, and boom, they don't do it. I got to tell you, again, I get why they did it. Chase to Burrow, it's a very unique, special combination that they have going there. But I can tell you this, there was a guy wide open down the field. Um, if he had about another second or two to hold the line there, Bengals are probably Super Bowl champions. That's how close it was. It's so hard to say, and we're going to get into it. You know how much I love the NFL draft. We're going to have our draft shows here coming up. It's so hard to tell what you're going to do. Now, I'm of the belief that the Browns have gotten pretty lucky the past couple of years. Their needs have kind of fallen in alignment with what you know maybe the core position sure. group is for the draft. So back in 2020, there was a slew of tackles. You know, and then last year there was a a great group of corners. This year, there's a very, very good group of wide receivers. We're going to get into it, um, but it's so hard to tell, Dustin. You know, looking at it, what I would have done is probably gone Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater if I was, you know, Mm -hmm. running the Bengals. But, you know, they went Jamar Chase, and he – I'm of the belief that he was one of the key components to getting them to the Super Bowl. 
But oh, man, if you would have had one of those tackles there, you're right. Probably looking at Super Bowl champs. Well, I mean, Aaron uh, Donald came been. around the Aaron Donald came around the corner and threw Joe Burrow around like a rag doll, and then went like this. I got my ring. Yeah, I'm going to retire. I mean, I mean, he came quick, and we know. Well, we know that, right, Miles Garrett? We know, how, you know, what an end can do and disrupt an offensive line, right? Like. Yeah, so we'll see what they do in the offseason. Um, they need to spend more than $3 on their offensive line. That's what I said. Well, I think they will. They just extended Zach Taylor, I think, till 2026, if I believe. I don't have it in front of me. Um, so they're they're making moves that we haven't seen them make. So as Browns fans, maybe we, we need to hesitate a little bit and say, okay, all right, Bengals are pretty darn good. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the Ravens are getting their – star power back they were plagued by injury last year um and we don't know what's going on with the Steelers at the quarterback position they're yep. probably going to draft somebody or bring in a free agent but other than that the roster's pretty darn good man I mean you you need to make some moves here um yep. we talk about that alignment there's the word Dustin I say alignment all the time with <laughs> wide receiver and how it falls in this year's draft let's go ahead and get into it we're going to talk more Super Bowl uh with Eric Metcalf so if you're here for that conversation just stick around till about 8 30. Um, but we are going to get into our position group breakdown over the course of the next few weeks. We'll do each position group. Um, maybe we'll throw two in if they're a smaller group here and there, but we're going to do the wide receivers today, Dustin. Um, and then we'll take a brief look at the draft and free agency. Sure. We're going to have more of an in-depth conversation uh, in regards to both free agency and the draft, um, but we're just going to kind of touch the surface, scratch the surface today, but go more in-depth on who's currently on the roster, Yep. Expectations and realistically speaking, are they going to be in Cleveland Brown next year? So I'm going to ask that you take off your orange and brown colored glasses <laughs> and let's have a real conversation here. This we, we talked about this with Cribs. It's time for us to take off our glasses and have a real conversation. You need to have a real conversation. But before we do so, uh, we just want to give a shout out to our Frank, uh, Katie Klonowski out of Berkshire Hathaway. Guys, if you're buying or selling a home and you need somebody that can help you through that process, that person for you is Katie Klonowski. So make sure you give her a call. Um, all right, Dustin. So I'm not going to talk on some of the practice squad guys. Sure. I'm really just going to dive into Jarvis Landry, Hollywood Higgins, Anthony Schwartz, and DPJ, if that's okay with you. That's fine with me. All right. Let's get, you want to start with Jarvis? Yeah. Um, Jarvis, that's a to me, that's a big question mark, right? We just, I believe he's owed 15 million next year. So um, just his contract, not to cut you off here, but I do have this in front of me. He is under contract for next year. If he plays out this year, he holds a $16.379 million cap hit, which is pretty significant. Yep. That's 7.5% of the Browns cap. If they decide to move on, they will carry a $1.5 million in dead cap and save $14.87 million against the cap. So there okay. is incentive to move on here, but I'm going to turn it back over to you and then I'll, I'll get into it. Well, you know, here's the thing. We, we talked about this um, when I was new to the podcast a couple years ago, Cleveland needed to change their culture, right? That was a big thing from losing to winning forever for however much longer Jarvis Landry is a Cleveland Brown. He came in and set the tone and changed the culture in the wide receiver room and has been the ever statesman for the Cleveland Browns. I will forever love Jarvis Landry just for that alone, period. Agreed. Now, again, the NFL is a business, though, right? So you have to look and say, okay, is he worth the $16 million? Personally, for me, I think 
he should come back on a restructured deal, maybe less for two years, right? Hey, we love you, Jarvis. We think we got two more years here that we're building something pretty special. Come back. We'll address some of the issues uh, that you're wanting to address. And we keep him because I do think he can be that leader and that voice and that calming voice more than anything on the in the wide receivers room. So if he can restructure his deal and, you know, it's nothing crazy, I think we should bring him back because here's the one thing. Nine times out of the ten, when you throw it his way, he catches it. And so I think he's also a release valve, right? Like, you know, when you're in trouble, Jarvis is going to probably dig you out of a hole. So I, I personally... If we can get a good restructured deal, I'd bring him back. No, I totally agree. I think when we brought Jarvis in, and gosh, his first year was what, 2018? Or 2017, I think. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. So whenever we brought him in, our bar was pretty low, right? Yeah. I mean, we that was the Corey Coleman days of drops and, <laughs> you know, guys off the streets just playing football. So the right. bar was pretty low um, in terms of wide receiver play and in terms of just culture right Jarvis Landry comes in and I think he is the biggest contributor to changing the culture of the Cleveland Browns I mean you go back yep. to hard knocks you watch that clip of him in that wide receiver room so well, I think no. his yeah. In, yeah his intangibles and his leadership is just as valuable as his on the field presence um if not more no. but at the end of the day you have to you know the on the field action is, is really what counts and what matters right so taking a look at his contract, there is incentive to move on. Um, th that's 14, oh, roughly 15 million against the cap. Okay. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, or I'm sorry, they would save 15 million if they were to move on from Jarvis Landry. Now taking a look at some of these mid tier free agents, um, I'm, I'm, let's throw a Christian Kirk in there, bringing him in 15 million annually. I think that's doable. So you have to really ask yourself, okay, what do you want here? What are you looking for? Right. Um, oh, no, you're just replacing another for another, right? Right. Like now, at the same time, they could trade him. I don't really see that happening. I don't think you're going to get a lot in return for Jarvis Landry. If he's not a Cleveland Brown, I think that what he's done for this organization uh, and what Andrew Berry did for Odell Beckham Jr. is what they would do for Jarvis Landry. Kind of restructures contract, um, you know, to make it more of a friendly deal, and he can kind of pick and choose where he wants to go. Yeah. But the thing is, we don't know where Jarvis stands in terms of the organization. We haven't really heard from him since Thanksgiving, um, and right. he wasn't exactly pleased. Uh, he spoke with the media at his charity charity event. He not really complained, but mentioned the lack of targets. Um, so it really wasn't like what we know and love of Jarvis Landry. He hasn't right. really fulfilled his media obligation. Um, he hasn't really been the face of the franchise guy that we've once known him to be. Um, so this is really going to come down to what Jarvis wants, I believe. But I'm with you, Dustin. Anyway. I think I think if he wants to be here and you can restructure his contract to bring him back, I think you do that every day of the week and 50 times on Sundays just to what right. he means to the, the fan base, to the organization, and this culture. Um, but if he doesn't want to be here, guys, it's not in your best interest to have him. Even if he's like, well, I don't really want to be here and I, you know, let's say I resign. Right. Then let's just say three years. Well, in a year or two, you're looking at money plus negativity. That's not something that you want. Right. But if we take a look year over year at his production, Dustin, in 2020, he was 72 for 840 with three touchdowns. Uh, in 2021, now he was injured. 
you know, kind of battled the injury bug for the first time in his career, uh, 52 for 570 and two touchdowns. So the production did drop a little bit. Um, and I think that we will start to see somewhat of that decline. He's still a very, very productive player. Um, certainly can be uh, a number two receiver for any team, I believe. Um, but Dustin, I think you're right. I'm with you in this boat, but I do believe this comes down to what Jarvis Landry wants at the end of the day. Yeah, And, and you know, and he'll have the last say, right? I mean, if he wants to leave, you know, mm-hmm. Cleveland's going to make it very classy and, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how probably we'll know in the next four to six weeks. If, if not personally, soon. personally, I want him here. I, I love Jarvis. Oh, Landry. Um, but again, taking off her orange and brown colored glasses, you know, unfortunately you may have some fan favorites um, out, you know, that's just kind of the way of the world. Um, all right, let's turn it over to Hollywood Higgins here, Dustin. Before we get into this, I do want to preface with we're having this conversation as the roster is currently constructed. Okay. Right. We're, we're not speculating, you know, who's going to be a quarterback or anything like that. We're strictly talking about the receivers here. So uh, Hollywood Higgins, really a weird, weird situation um, with Richard Higgins this year and really just kind of a weird career honestly Dustin just a, a lot of inconsistency a lot of extreme highs and extreme lows right. uh, from from Richard something that really stands out is and this is not to you know bash him in any way I you know I love what he's done for the Cleveland Browns but he's been in the doghouse for Hugh Jackson Freddie Kitchens and now Kevin Stefanski um, you've seen him inactive for, for several games you don't right. really know what goes on behind closed doors I know it's some of and which, by the way, I like that because they do keep it behind closed doors yes. and it's a, it's a team thing. I like that. So, yeah, um, he's going to be 28, uh, you know, and then you have to start to ask yourself, you're in the same position here. He is a fan favorite. But do you want him taking those reps away from somebody, uh, somebody younger, maybe a draft pick or a Demetric Felton or an Anthony Schwartz, somebody like that? Uh, right. Holding a roster spot is going to take away from the development of somebody else. So keeping that in mind, um Prior to this season, Dustin, I talked a lot about redundancy in the wide receiver room. We had a lot of guys that could do a lot of the same things. Um, Hollywood Higgins kind of fits that mold, uh, similar in respect to a Jarvis Landry. Um, outside of route running, there isn't something that he is elite at. He's, you know, he's got great hands. He's kind of been that safety net for Baker Mayfield. Um, but there's nothing that he does exceptionally well to have him stand out, really, aside from his route running. Something to note. Um, talking about depth, right? You say, okay, you could still bring him back. He could be a depth player. I definitely see that as a possibility at the right price, of course, but with depth players, a lot of times you do want to see them taking on special teams responsibilities. That's not something that he does. Okay. So you have to start to question, all right, you know, could we throw somebody else in there? Demetric Felton, Anthony Schwartz, who can contribute on special teams Correct. and step up and take take one more responsibility. So, Dustin, I'll turn it over to you, um, but that's kind of my quick breakdown. I'll go over year over your stats here in a moment, but I uh, yeah. just want to get your perspective. Yeah, so you're right. Um, at times, Richard is just electric, right? He's Hollywood. You don't get the name Hollywood from, you know, not having some special place. I truly believe Hollywood is there because Baker is there. And I think Baker's had some say in Hollywood being on the team even this last year, right? Hey, I want him back kind of thing. There was that kind of discussion. Is he going to be back? Is he, you know, yes, no. Um, As long as Baker Mayfield's the quarterback, I think he'll put some pressure on 
the organization to bring him back in some capacity. Um, I do know that he doesn't want to come back on a dis on a hometown discount. Yeah. So the organization is going to have to deal with that and figure out if the money is worth it. To your point, does the production meet the the, the price tag? So um, I don't know if it'll be a difficult decision for the Browns in the offseason with him, but I definitely think they'll have to say, look, you know, and again, whatever other things that are going on that we're not aware of, obviously those need to be taken care of. But I do believe he is there 100% because Baker Mayfield's a quarterback. I, I, if Baker Mayfield wasn't the quarterback this year, I don't know if Hollywood Higgins is there. So, Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is an interesting one, and it's a lot of speculation. We don't know really what the deal was or is with uh, right. Hollywood Higgins. Um you know, you have to assume that there was maybe some off the field or, or maybe he's a, bread, a bad practice guy or somebody, something like that. Now, again, it's a lot of speculation. Um, I'm not going to, you know, speak on behalf of that or speculate myself, but, you know, just a lot of questions from a fan perspective of, okay, what's really going on here? He's been in the doghouse for three separate coaches. Um, unfortunately, he does look like the common denominator there, but Look, I like the guy. Um, you know, I like what he's done. I, I think he's a good player, but yeah, you know, maybe at this point, maybe it is time to move on. So it's going to be interesting to see how they address that. But taking a year, a, a look at year-over-year stats, uh, twenty twenty, he was thirty-seven for five ninety-nine, four touchdowns, pretty productive. Yep, um, very productive actually. In twenty twenty-one, he was twenty-four for two seventy-five and one. So definitely a decrease in production. Um, you know, part of that being maybe the emergence of somebody like a Donovan Peoples-Jones with the departure of a Odell Beckham Jr. I anticipated yeah. his stats to rise. It didn't happen. I don't know, Dustin. I think that um, drafting and bringing in on free agency, he could be a, a casualty there. Right. Okay. Next up on the list, you want to do DPJ or Anthony Schwartz first? Let's do Anthony Schwartz. I think he's kind of an, a fascinating player. Yeah. I have a lot. I have a lot for him. Um I think Anthony Schwartz was drafted to be a project. I, I think that when we took a receiver, a lot of us fans were like, oh, we got we got a guy. But that was also when we have when we had Odell Beckham Jr. We had the full roster, everybody yep. was healthy. Anthony Schwartz was never drafted here to be wide receiver one. Nope. Um, he was going to be a depth player with a very specific type of skill set, and that was his speed. Now we knew that he had the ability to go on and be an Olympic runner. Yeah, I mean, he has world-class speed. So that right. adjustment to pro football was obviously going to be a pretty steep learning curve. Um, not huge production, but, you know, just noting he, he is a very, very good athlete. I'm going to start with some of the negatives here, but I'm going to end on a positive with Anthony Schwartz. Um, he did, He's over the course of this season. Now he's a rookie, so right. bear with me. I'm not bashing him. Um, he, he really displayed very poor tracking ability uh, to the point where it became a pretty large area of concern for the Browns. Um, if you go back and watch that interception Houston game where Baker got hurt, uh, I, I do believe that the way that ball was thrown, it was probably going to be intercepted regardless. Right. Um, but Anthony Schwartz ball tracking ability really was just very poor. It almost seemed as if he didn't realize the ball was even coming to him. Um, he's got a ton of straight line speed, but not a ton of change in tempo. So when you look at those two, two skill sets, world-class straight line speed and then more of an agility type of speed. You're going to take that that tempo and uh, ball tracking ability 
any day of the week. I think that's more transferable. It's more translatable on the field. He stops yeah. on routes. He needs development, right? But that's yeah. what he was brought here to do. Um, I think I was listening to the OBR, Jake Burns. He, he's he's really good, um, but I'm going to uh, give him a shout out here and, and read one of his quotes when he was talking about Anthony Schwartz. So Jake Burns, he preaches self-awareness and he said, who are you as a football player? You know, if I'm Anthony Schwartz, he should be looking at what somebody like a Ted Ginn did in his career oh, and yeah. say to myself, can I mimic that? Is that something that I can do? You know, he wasn't drafted to exactly play that role, but they have a similar skill set. Can I return every kick and punt? How do I get with my coaches to unlock my downfield vertical threat ability? You know, Anthony Schwartz has a low floor, medium ceiling kind of guy, um, but you have to get creative with him. He's not going to be a big route tree dig kind of guy, but if you get creative with him, shallow routes, um, crosses, reverses, etc. I think he's going to be okay. I don't think he's a bust by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not wide receiver one. He's just not. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I found interesting and fascinating when I was doing some just research on the wide receivers that are coming out this year. His speed is better than any of them that are coming out yep. this year. And, then, and you know, we always talk about the, the players that are coming out of the draft are getting faster, stronger, bigger. He's still faster than anybody coming out of the NFL draft this year. Um, I really do think, to your point, those reverses and some things to get him in space where he's fast could be an asset to this Browns offense and get some, you know, some sweeps and some things where he can, you know, burn some of these guys down the field mm -hmm. and be creative. I think he can be very, very good in that position. I just think he needs to do more of it and have more reps doing it. Right. Yeah. And have and more practice. So I do think he's a valuable asset to the Browns. Because I see him as you build these other receivers, to your point, to where now you have a full loaded roster. And then you have Schwartz here. Ah, crap. There he goes, right? All of a sudden you have this, this asset that nobody else has, right? Because he is quick, he is fast, and he can take the top off um, and create space. So that's – so I do think – I don't think he's going to be a bust, not even close to it. Mm -hmm. I just think he needs to get more reps as a player. He needs more development. He's very raw. Right. And, and this year, it just didn't – he didn't have enough opportunities, period. He just – there no. was not enough opportunities there for him. So no. – um, and you could tell that in the return game, right? Like the kickoffs. You know, at first they wanted Schwartz there. and like, no, nah, maybe not. Let's put Felton there, right? And it was interesting how they kind of changed that up. I just think, mm -hmm. to your point, he just needs more reps. Yeah. All right. Let's roll on to Donovan Peoples-Jones real quick before uh, we welcome Eric Metcalf on. Um, so kind of just I'll, I'll go through this one pretty quickly because um, coming into his now third year in the league, um, I see Donovan Peoples-Jones more as a wide receiver, too. Uh, I know that we were really excited getting him in the sixth round and his ability, um, kind of a diamond in the rough. But he's consistently shown that he doesn't necessarily have the skill set to be wide receiver one. And that's not a shot at him. That's just who he is. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's more of a high floor, medium ceiling type of guy. Um, I really like Donovan Peoples Jones the most when you have another guy who can take the top off and a solid guy in the slot. Um, you know, I, I really like his vertical play. He's great in those contested plays, uh, needs to work on separation, uh, but looks great on crossing routes, out routes, digs, uh, but he's not as twitchy, right. As you'd probably want your wide receiver one to be. So that's why I don't have him slated to be that guy. 
Right. Uh, he's not a burst type of guy like an Anthony Schwartz, but he definitely builds to his speed. So yep. my expectation for him in year three is to be kind of a five to 800 yard type of guy, assuming that they heavily address receiver this yep. offseason and can have somebody that can take the top off of a defense. Before I turn it over to you, Dustin, his year over year stats, 2020, his rookie year, he was 14 for 304 with two touchdowns, 21, 34, 597, and three. So that Bottom tier or bottom line for 500 yards, I think, is certainly attainable. This year he had 597. I kind of see him more in the six to 800 yard range. Right. Um, assuming we could get maybe a, a wide receiver one. Yeah. No, I think I think he can develop into that player that gets four to six touchdowns a year. Yeah. Um, again, he's going to be your kind of uh, release valve, right? When you're when your number one's covered. Oh wait, DPJ is open, right? You go get him down the field. Um, he's progressed again. We, I think we stole him that far down in the draft, right? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. You don't normally get wide receivers to be that productive and have that kind of skill set. Um, so yes, I see him to continue down that path and I look forward to his development this year. Cause you know, as you said, this will be year three, right? This is yeah. where you really come out. It's your, your coming out party, right? This is where you can really develop as a player you are confident to go out there and get those four to five touchdowns, maybe six touchdowns this year. And I do expect that from Donovan Peoples-Jones. I certainly do. He's He has big playability. He can make those downfield plays. Um, but on a consistent basis, you, what you want is, I'm just going to throw a name out there. If you can go out and get a, I'm just going to say Garrett, Garrett, you know, Garrett Wilson there um, in the draft. And then you bring in um, maybe a second tier kind of guy, mid tier in free agency. And then, you know, Donovan's your number yep. two or three receiver. Then let's just say you have Jarvis in the slot. You know, you feel really good about that. You feel yep. really good about that. But he's not meant to be wide receiver one. That's just not who he is. It's not who he's ever been. Um, and I don't anticipate that's who he's going to become. So we've got a few minutes here, Dustin. Um, who, are, who are some of the names that you anticipate them to maybe take a look at in free agency? You know, one is I was looking at my list here. Gallup, yeah, out of Dallas, right? Looks like could be a casualty, possibly, right? Down in Dallas, uh, high mm -hmm. production. I don't think this guy will be available, but I tell you what, a Mike Williams would be phenomenal, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think with Herbert, they're going to want to try to bring him back somehow on some yeah. kind of deal. Uh, they could, they could probably franchise him. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, in a dream world, I'd want Devontae Adams, but that I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, and it doesn't fit the offense that we run. It doesn't. Is, I mean, it's. I mean, people like start saying about Odell Beckham Jr. this and that, and I can't believe he went there. Well, did you forget where Stephon Diggs was, and then he went to Buffalo because he, he wanted to go to a different kind of offense where he stand could by on that. I have a I have a very specific question that I want to ask Eric Metcalf about this. So, okay. so that's I'm glad you brought that up yes. um, because I think that. To, before I even ask the whole question, just I think that that's to your point, the lack of production or the lower tier of production that this kind of offense produces is probably going to cause some hesitation for some big time free agents, Devontae Adams right. being one of them. But right. my question to you really is, you know, if you take a look at some of those big time free agents, Dustin, you know, that's. It's going to strap you, right? You're oh, going to yeah. spend a lot of money. You still need to build this defense, this defensive line, bring Jadavion Clowney back. I mean, all, all that's still out. You got to so, sign, sign Denzel Ward. 
you got to sign Denzel Ward, David Njoku. I mean, there, yeah. there's still a lot there um, right. that's going to make you start to question, you know, how you're spending your money. Um, could I interest you? Here, I'm going to throw two names at you. Christian Kirk and mm. DJ Shark. Um, yeah. I mean, they don't jump off the page, but. I oh, mean, they're not meant Yeah. <laughs> but again, at the right price, I think we, I'd be okay with that. Well, let's just say we could get him for about fourteen million, right? That's kind of that Jarvis Landry cap yeah. situation we're talking. I, I mean, I think Dustin, that's probably what you're looking at. Um, look, I'm all for Christian Kirk. Like, I would be all in on that. DJ Shark's very, very good down in Jacksonville. That's kind of a crappy right. situation. I'm sure he'd want to get out of. Uh, he's been very productive. He's coming off of an ankle situation, I think, uh, right. this year. Um, but you know, Dustin, another thing you have to think about is some of these big time free agents, and this is not the, the podcast. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation, but there is some questions on who's going to be playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns next year, right? Or this year, right. well, officially and in the who's going to be playing quarterback into the future of the Browns? correct. So if you're Devontae right. Adams and you're going to go sign a mega deal, don't you want to know and have certainty at that position yes. and know that I am not going to be in a crappy situation where I'm not getting the ball and we're not winning games. Like I, I'm not right. trying to speculate. We'll have that conversation another day, but that's still out there, Dustin. Right. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a real conversation. It's a real, it's a real thing. I can just um, tell you this is- in, in about five weeks, we're going to have a lot of answers. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, I mean, it's, We'll see. All right, let's take a look at the draft um, while we're waiting here on Eric Metcalf. Who are uh, – last week you, you were talking about Jamison Williams uh, being kind of your target. Now, Dustin, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Uh, I was had, had some time to think about it. They need to address the situation now. And the way you, you look at it with Jamison Williams coming off of that ACL, you're not certain that he's going to be available week one. So that would give me a little hesitation, um, but if you could trade maybe up into the first of the back half uh, mm-hmm. or maybe a second round if you were to drop, I think you you take that all day every day. Mm-hmm. But at 13, I don't know. I have a little hesitation there. Who are some other guys that jump off the page to you and why? Wide receiver-wise? So here's one that I don't even know if they'll be – because, again, I think the top 12 picks are going to be kind of unique because we have some quarterbacks – or, uh, sorry, some teams that don't need quarterbacks because of last year's draft. Right. But you know who jumped off the page at, to me um, was Jameson Will, Williams at uh, – not, sorry, not him. Uh, let me look here. I was looking at my notes here. Who was the guy? Oh, no. Burks out yeah, of – Yes, out of uh, Arkansas. Uh-huh. 6'3", you know, big guy. Um, probably would be available to the Browns probably there at 13. Don't you think? Maybe. Well, let's do this. Let's have this conversation assuming that our guy's there. Okay. So, you know, I just kind of want to talk through these guys um, assuming that he's there. Uh, so Eric Metcalf just jumped on, but we'll we'll give him a second here to connect. But um, Traylon Burks being one of them, he's got good height, uh, natural ball catcher. He's got big hands, ton of flashes. Um, let me see who his comp was. Pro comp. Vincent Jackson. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. So right. uh, he's definitely there. Another one being Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. I mean, Drake Whatever. London looks like a freak to me. Oh, yeah, okay. we'll get into it. All right, let's go ahead and welcome Eric Metcalf onto the program. Eric, how we living? 
I'm trying to live my best See, life. How are you doing? <laughs> living living my you? best life. My life. Living life. That's, that's How good. you doing? So were you were you out? Were you out for the Super Bowl? I was. I was in LA. I got to um for Thursday and Friday, I was on um, Radio Road doing a bunch of interviews. I got to hang out with some some old friends I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, went to a few parties. Uh, Bernie Kozar and I were hanging out. Um, we actually went to the game, which I hadn't. I didn't plan on going to the game because I didn't want to. I didn't want to, but it, but it was okay. It ended up being okay because. I, I wanted to see the uh, the halftime show. Oh my gosh! Okay, we, we I could talk about the halftime show for a half. I could hour. talk about it all day. The, the, the thing is, you, I really can't because uh, we were in a suite that was in the end zone. Oh, but so we could only see them when they were on top of the set. Ah, so because yeah. you were at the, you were at those lower ones that are in like the like the dugout area, right? Kind of like but we couldn't see it looking yeah. at. Because you had to be on the side view, and so yeah, that was that was hard, but but it still sounded good. That was going to be my next question because I, I saw on Twitter or maybe it was TikTok or some some social platform that somebody was at the Super Bowl, and uh, I think they were sitting up fairly high, but they couldn't hear it. Everything was very muffled. So I was going to ask you, could you actually hear everything? Did it sound okay? Because I mean, well, TV me, I was, was awesome. I was, on the, I was sitting on the uh, one of the lower level suites. And it sounded great. It's, it's, it sounded like I was in somebody in, in one of those six four Impalas that they had out there with a with a big old. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. So it was it was fine to me. Yeah, I was just I was looking at um, Bernie's Twitter, and it looked like you got to go with Jim Brown and get a police escort into the Super Bowl. And I was like, you could have a worse life than that. I was like, that was pretty cool that you got to go in there and. And uh, go and how's Jim doing? By the way, is he in pretty feeling pretty good? I mean, he's he's he's, he's Jim. He's doing as about as best as he can, you know. Right yep. now, you know, when you're getting older, starting to slow down. He's not the Jim Brown that we we all know, right. but the but most importantly, is the mind is still there, right? The, yeah, the mind is still there, and so everything is is good in, in that respect. And, and so, like like Bernie said, or you said, just watching it and looking at the pictures and everything, it was it was a fun experience, you know. And we're with the greatest football player of all time. And so it makes it easy when you, you get to ride into a, a Super Bowl with, with a motorcade and don't have to worry about any traffic. Of, <laughs> yeah. Just in and out. Yeah, I was like, it looked like you had California Highway Patrol taking you in. And I was like, that's pretty good. You got the the California Highway Patrol taking you in. Yeah, I, I saw Punch and John. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next one is Punch and John. But – uh. No, I you know what was interesting is was it was Bernie was on his camera and he, he was filming Jim Brown and it looked like Jim Brown was having none of it. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Bernie, filming me with your with your uh with your phone? It was just because he was very stoic, you know, Jim well, Brown's very you know, he was stoic until there was uh you probably saw him on the way. I can't on the way back, um, he did a lot of talking. Oh, okay. I think he was trying to get through the day because it was a long day. We were actually oh. We actually arrived at the uh, the stadium like uh, eleven o'clock. So oh wow! So that is that's a that's a really half long hours day. before the game even started. Yeah, and th- okay. and then of course the the game time and everything, and then trying to get out of there and everything. But but once we got in the um, 
in the Sprinter van leaving, that's when Jim did all his talking. Nice. nice. <laughs> so last we had you on, Eric, um, this was a different setup for the Cleveland Browns. Odell Beckham Jr. was still a Cleveland Brown. You know, it's just a different conversation. Right now that the season's over, Dustin and I were talking on this show, like, okay, let's let's take off our orange and brown colored glasses and let's have a real conversation about the state of the Cleveland Browns. But I want to talk still about the Super Bowl. I want to obviously talk about the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. But first off, did you have any rooting interest in this game? Or were you just there for the halftime show? I, I 100% had a rooting interest, and it was for the Rams. Thank okay. you. Good. Good answer. Good answer. I, you know, I, I, like I just don't understand how people would, would rather see the Bengals win than OBJ win. It just mm-hmm. it, ridiculous. Well, right? It makes and, no sense to me. Well, and I was rooting for Stafford, right? Like he played on a you know a crappy Lions team for a decade. He gets one opportunity, gets shipped out there, and he wins a Super Bowl. It just goes to show you how good a talented you know that he was that he was able to put it together on a different team. So I was kind of rooting for Stafford just because I kind of thought he deserved a Super Bowl, right? Like. Like yeah, I'm one of those guys who I, I was definitely rooting for OBJ. You know, I, I've known his dad forever. Um, then, you, like you said, you have Stafford, you have Jalen Rams, you have Aaron Donalds, you have guys yeah. who are big time at their position, probably the best in the sport at their position, and Aaron right. Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, they might never get another chance. I mean, Aaron Donald had two chances. He won in the second chance. But Jalen Ramsey, he didn't get a chance until – until this past Sunday. And so these right. guys get their opportunities because they come, they don't come that easy. No, well, Not I have people think. And so I was happy that, you know, they were able to go out there and fulfill their dream because it was one of those situations when you think about the Ram, it was like, if they didn't win, this year was com- a complete failure because they pushed all their chips in yep. to try to get this Super Bowl and it, and it worked out for them. Well, I, I was at a Super Bowl party, and there was a lot of Bengals fans there, and I have a friend that's a personal Bengals fan, and I had to tell him, I said, look, Browns have never been to a Super Bowl, but I can tell you this. You better win this one. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, because next year you still have to go against the Patrick Mahomes of the world, the Josh Allens, all these great quarterbacks in the AFC, and you got a nice, lucky path to the Super Bowl this year. you got to go win it because you do not know when that opportunity is going to come your way again, because you're going to have to face these other quarterbacks for the next decade. Like, it's just not going to, you know, it's just not going to get easier. It's going to get tougher. So See, I don't even think about the other teams. See, cause I, I, I need people to remember that this, their roster will not be the same next year. Right. right. People, no matter what happens every year, each roster is different. And so yep. it, it, it plays out different because now you're playing different teams and, and you have a different roster. You have to get guys that fit in the system. Uh, you, have, you, you try to work uh, rookies in and free agents in yep. into your system. And so it's never the same. So you, you got to get you got to take advantage when you get those opportunities because you don't ever know when they'll come again. You know, I heard um, on Cleveland Browns Daily, Nathan Zagura said this was several weeks ago, but we were talking about like or I wasn't on, I was listening, but they were talking about the the Browns and how they just couldn't seem to get it together, right? We were have we were all having that conversation. And he said, you know, one thing that I've learned being within or around the organization is winning isn't necessarily linear, right? Like just because you did so well last year doesn't necessarily right. translate into the next year. It's not like college football where one year you can be 
top top dog you just need a, a you know maybe a better offensive line and then the next year you roll it back in your national championships it, it just doesn't quite happen like that in the national football league but i want to talk about eric the way that the rams went about their business right they traded basically all of their draft capital away to bring in superstars do you think that this is going to change the way that teams now go about their business no i'm I think some will. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of organizations will like to build from scratch and try to make it about what they did as, as, as an organization. But and, and it's hard to do it. You know, the Rams had a lot of draft capital. They knew who they wanted in order to to get to where they are or where they were this weekend. And, and yep. they went about it the right way. I mean, I have to honestly say, if I don't believe if OBJ isn't there, that they go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think they do. I mean, because, I mean, they got – Robert Woods got hurt. Yeah. And then, I mean, fortunately for them, OBJ was available at that time. And so, I mean, just look how they looked once he went out Sunday. They didn't They didn't look very good in, until the end well, when, when it was all Cooper Cup and, and Matthew Stafford. But it's a whole different game if he played. And so they pushed their chips in. They went and got guys that they thought – with great athletes who could help them win the Super Bowl, and it, and it worked out. I mean, they've been there before, so they right. knew with their team. I mean, of course, everything has to fall into place, but right. they knew with these players that they had that they had a good opportunity of winning. Well, and you're right. You look at the six touchdowns he had down the stretch, and then that key fourth down play that he made to advance the you know the Rams, you know to where they were. You know that play was huge in, in the playoffs. That, that OBJ made, and it was a clutch catch. And you're right. If he's not there, do they have that kind of, you know, that extra ump to get him over the to the next? I don't think they do. You know, I, I don't yeah. either. Because I mean, when he went out the other day, they put uh, number 18 in. I can't, I can't remember his name, but he didn't make any plays. But I, and it's funny because going into the game, I, I'm not, a, I don't bet on football because I can't control any of it. But I, <laughs> I, I was telling, I was telling a lot of people. I would bet OBJ to be Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. It was I, it was looking like that. Looked, early on, it looked like he was gonna be on his way to it. And so, and like I said, once he went down, it just looked different. Their passing game looked different. And well, they just became they just became flat. I mean, the Rams just kind of went flat, you know. It just it was interesting. And then that's kind of when the, you know, here came the Bengals kind of getting their sea legs, and you're like, okay, this is gonna come down to the last possession. So and I actually, and, and, and when and when I was on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, everyone asked me, what what do you think the score is going to be? And I said, the Rams will win in a blowout, meaning two scores or so, or Cincinnati will win in a close game. I never imagined the Rams winning in a close game. Right. And and then they turn around and do it and make me look bad. That's why you don't bet on the games, right? I was I was surprised though that last drive by the Bengals. I mean, I, I genuinely thought, okay, they're gonna go, they're gonna go win this thing. In that third down play call, I, w- I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, they chose to run it, but not with Joe Mixon. Yeah, I was a little bit um I couldn't wrap my head around it, but uh, Eric, I want to get your perspective on kind of that final drive. First, what what was it like in the stadium? Um, I can't even imagine. But second of all, just from a football perspective, 
Would you have called that play? Would you have called that series? So for me, I, you know, if you, I think they should have ran the ball more, just period. Right. Because they were they were doing they well. Were I mean, doing pretty good. They were doing pretty good. Joe Mixon was running well, but I, that's the problem with a, a lot of NFL teams and, and coaches. They're too busy trying to outsmart the other coaches instead of just keeping uh-huh. it simple. Yeah. Just going out there and doing what you do and being successful at it. They were running the ball with Joe Mixon and getting five yards a clip. Yeah. So why not? Why not keep doing it? And you run the ball and, and get stopped on third. And then what do you do? You go in the shotgun. But help me understand. It was only it was like less than a yard. Yeah. You can go get it. You can go get it with the run. I mean, if you're going to get it. Go get it. Do what you do to get it. Don't try to outsmart somebody when and, and you haven't been protecting them. That was my only problem with. It. I mean, I, I I like obviously they had to go for it, but it's just the way they went about it that I I, I didn't like. You know, once like once again I said these coaches try to outsmart each other. They think right. we're gonna run the ball, so we're not gonna run the ball. They think <laughs> we're gonna pass, so we're not gonna pass the ball. Just do what you do. That's what uh, Bill Walsh used to say. We're gonna do what we do and, until they stop it. Well, and, and you bring up a good point. Like, they know that defensive front is going to, you know, we know the the woes of the offensive line for the Bengals. You're right. If you're running the ball, you're keeping them honest, right? They kind of have to play within within reason there. And you're right. It doesn't just have Joe Burrow thrown around. Like, when I saw Aaron Donald come around, I was like, this Super Bowl is over. I mean, he just threw him. I mean, like, it looked like it looked like, oh, this is done because it looked like he just looked like a little kid trying to throw a ball to see if anybody would catch it at that point. Right. Like, and, and then you get in the shotgun. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you're making you're having to go farther. So now you got to go five yards, right? Yep. Yeah, and without mixing, right? Now, <laughs> P. Ryan, he's a good player, and that I'm not bashing him by any stretch of the imagination, but when you do what you do, as you mentioned it, Eric, they were doing very well. They were, you know, running. I, I don't know. They, I, I was stunned. I was stunned. I thought that they were going to do it. They were going to get the first down and then, you know, Evan McPherson going to run out there and do what he does. Um, another thing is we've seen over the course of the past couple of years, kind of the new age of drafting kickers. We've seen Evan McPherson, Harrison Butker, some of these guys really stepping up in big moments this postseason. Uh, do you think, I'm not going to put you on the spot, you know, of uh, kickers that are out there in the draft because I can't name them myself. But do you think that we're going to see kind of a new wave of teams going about their business a little bit differently in later rounds of the draft, drafting special teams players? I, I think so. I mean, I think it's just because people need to understand that special teams are important. No one thinks about it until you actually need it, right? <laughs> I think that's kind of been like the mission statement of these playoffs. Every right. over the course of the whole playoffs. Every game almost came down to the last possession. Every game. And I, and I think – so we, we could go draft uh, Cameron Dicker from, from Texas. We can draft him. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a good kicker. Dicker the kicker can, can – the kicker. Dicker the kicker. And, I mean, you know, I'm, I, just, I just think that, like I said, we, we don't understand how important it is until we actually need it. And so I think you should treat – kickers returners just like position players because they're they're much needed and sometimes they're needed even more right especially a kicker yeah you, how well, like I said, came down, came down every game almost came down to a field goal and so you need them well i look 
Eric, I look back to the days of Phil Dawson and how spoiled we were, right? Another like, Longhorn. Right, another Longhorn, right? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, here's a guy that just literally just when you went out there, you didn't worry about him kicking a field goal, right? It wasn't even in the back of your mind like, Ugh. I mean, every time I tell Ali, I watch the Ravens, and even if it's 50-plus, I'm like, man, automatic. There he goes. The Ravens I'm kicker. Another Longhorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not – Oh, by the way, I'm not doing this on purpose. But, hey, hey but thanks, for, thanks for hooking those longhorns up with another longhorn. But I did wear the 21 tonight on purpose. I another longhorn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. Put them up. Get them up. That is but, it. That's uh, funny. Yeah. Was That's not purposely good. picking all longhorns, by the way, by the way. That was just pure. Oh, I was. Uh, but, but these guys, are, they've been good kickers, right? And so, and so if they're able to kick well throughout the college, you, you, you got to give them a chance instead of just giving guys who haven't been kicking. And that seems to be our cycle. We keep getting guys who have been on other teams who haven't been kicking. And they're not kicking for a reason, in my opinion. Right? It's a great point. Right? They, they, for a reason, they're not kicking. The other teams might have had them on practice squad or whatever. They're, that means they're not better than the guy that they had. So they – don't they they're not using it and so then we go get this guy who hasn't been kicking whoever or or you see teams that don't have any faith in their kicking and you see him going for it on fourth down i've seen more of that um in the nfl than i have ever before where they'll be like you know what you just stay over there i'll take my chances with two yards left you know like but but now now nowadays because analytics do you think is they don't have faith in their kicker or they just don't feel like kicking it because because analytics these days is are make is forcing everyone to go for it all the time. Like if you ask me, I think it was the dumbest thing in the world for the, the Bengals to go for it that first time. Agreed. They they had stopped them, the Rams, the first time they had the ball. Yep. Hit them back again. Yep. To see if they can drive the length of the field. But she yeah. gave them half a field to work with. Yep. Now they open up the playbook and they're going all in to score right now. Well, and that's and that's when OBJ that's when OBJ goes up seven nothing, right? Like all of a sudden that momentum of change in the in the football game because to your point, you know, make them go eighty, not half the you know, the whole idea that field position is huge. And and to your point, I've seen so many games won or lost on special teams, and you're like, it's so easy to lose a game there on special teams easily. So. And I mean, and, I, and we can't say that that lost the game, but it sure gave the Rams momentum. Yep. Because because right. then, then what happens? Uh, I think what the Bengals scored made a seven three. The Rams go back and score mm-hmm. again, make it fourteen or thirteen three. I'm sorry, they, yep, they missed an extra yes, point. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they an point. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but still, they were they were playing ahead. Yeah. They were playing ahead, and and then then the injury came, and it and it got a little messed up for them. Yep. Well, I think if we've learned anything this postseason, and I know this this sounds like this this sounds dumb saying it, but every point matters. You know, in some of those obvious situations where you just see coaches just maybe being a little bit arrogant, or maybe just trusting too much in analytics, or you don't really know what the de- the basis behind the yeah. decision is, but just deciding to go for it. And when you go for it, and you don't get it, I can't even imagine how much momentum stops right then and there and it turns it over to the other team so not only are you Ladies. not scoring points but you're not boosting your momentum in any stretch of the imagination right. it's, it's deflating just, yeah. just, just yeah. think about kansas city 
take the field goal. You go up 14 points at half, and you're getting the ball back. Yep. But, but you didn't take it. They stopped you. They're going in the locker room happy. You're, you're down. Well, Even and you're like, you're like, I've never seen a team in a playoff, especially in that situation in Kansas City, not come away with points right there. It's third and goal, right? Throw the ball away, kick a field goal, go in. And the fact that the the clock just ran off, I'm like, that's not good. Like that was, I, I thought that was a bad look for Kansas City, as well coached as they are. I thought yeah, it was a little five shocked. Seconds. Five seconds with no timeouts, and you run a play. <laughs> the ball. You think Bill Belichick would have done that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. He's taking those points, knowing he's getting the ball after halftime again. Yep. Well, they call they always call that it's called the double score, right? If right. you can score before half and then again right. in the third quarter, you're you're set up in the for in the football game, and yeah. So, well, to your to your point, that? Eric, it comes down to these coaches just trying to outsmart each other rather than just taking the common sense route. Sometimes they shoot themselves in the foot, and it's deflating. Right, and I mean, because I get the analytics, I get the numbers, and all that, but I I always say analytics doesn't speak for the physical. The physical, they don't, the analytics don't speak for how a player is feeling. Can I block this guy when you call this play? And can I beat this guy running this route when you call this play? You're, you're saying that we can get it just because the numbers suggest that we should go for it. But you know, it doesn't account for the physical. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure that the last play that the Bengals ran, analytically, they felt like they had the best play they could they could run. They just didn't tell Aaron Donald he can't rush. <laughs> right? Just right. <laughs> before you before you came on, Allie and I talked about this. If you're the owner sitting up there in that box and you're watching Aaron Donald come around, are you thinking back to the draft? If I would have got a generational left tackle right there, because there was a Bengal wide open down the sideline if Joe Burrow had a second and a half more. That ball's thrown. However, that bingo who was wide open down the sideline was the guy they took with the first pick in Jamar Chase. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what, do you, what do you do? And that's what we said. You know, like Jamar Chase was one of, one of, if not the reason that they got to the Super yeah. Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, credit to Joe Burrow and everything that they've done, but him being one of the reasons. Now, yeah. I've put my foot in my mouth several times because I was of the belief that they should have taken a, a left tackle. Um, and, you know, looking at it now, no. If you have, if you have a generational talent there on the board, I think you, you have to take that person um, to get you to where you need to be. Now, what we saw was – Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, that connection took them to where they needed to be, but the lack of a line really caused them to not be able to execute in that moment. So they do have some work to put in this offseason. But, you know, I think that when that guy's there, you have to take him. You, you have to take him. And I, I think, I think you, if you get to Jamar Chase, and, you know, they had synergy from being in LSU and all yeah. that. But, and you, if you don't take the lineman, you just got to help the lineman out with maybe running backs or tight end. Yeah. And, and, and help them out and ship those guys. And so, so that's what makes it a lot easier. And so, I mean, they didn't do any of that. Got, he didn't get sacked, but he ended up, ended up throwing an errant pass and, and game ended. And giving credit where it's due, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald, and he did what he does. Um, but, Eric, I'll get you out of here on this one, and we thank you for coming on. As always, you're the best. Who do you have your eye on? Who's your favorite wide receiver target, this free agency and or draft? 
I mean, free agency. If, I mean, I know, I know. It's hard to tell. Free agency, you, it, it would have to be Devontae Adams. Right. If, if given the opportunity. My question is this. When we're talking about free agent wide receivers, what makes a wide receiver want to come to Cleveland when he saw the, what happened with OBJ? We talked. We well, we talked no. about this. Oh, I had a que- I had a question for you. I had a question for you that I forgot to ask you about Odell Beckham Jr. Thank you for bringing that up, Dustin. So, with the whole Odell situation, the way that things went in Cle- Cleveland. Now, I saw this on Twitter, so this isn't my question. Is there an angle at which the Browns look at the free agent market and say to themselves, "It's going to be tough to convince a top tier free agent to come here in Cleveland." without overpaying them because of the way that the Odell situation has impacted them. You know, money talks, but can a lack of production cause hesitation for one of those players? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just look at it and I think, why would somebody come there seeing what Odell went through? Right. Or, or how he felt. I mean, and, and when, it's, when it's all said and done, that situation, I think everybody was at fault. Odell, Baker, Stefanski, everybody was at his fault. Everybody had their hand in it. And so if someone – they're going to call him. You know, a receiver – a free agent receiver will call, and he's going to be like, don't do it, just like he told Von Miller. Don't do it, right? And so I think I think in that respect, it's going to be very hard to get a, a top-tier free agent receiver to come there. You're going to have to get get someone in the draft, I think, and and then – who has no choice and then, <laughs> and then make it work and hope that he turns into the guy. Right. And just that's, that's I think that's the best case scenario. Do you have your eye on anybody in the draft? Sorry, Dustin, I didn't mean to cut right. you off there. I like Gary Wilson. Yeah, me too. I, 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 like I, him. I mean, of course you do. He's Ohio State. But, <laughs> but Texas, Texas kid too. Texas yeah, kid yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I, I like, I like Gary Wilson. I, I think, you know, He's a guy who can go get the ball. He has a lot of speed and can can open it up. But when it's all said and done, it doesn't really matter who it is. If our mm-hmm. passing game isn't up to par, if we can't we can't complete the ball, if we can't scheme these guys open, that's what it's all about. When it's all said and done, because you know, OBJ gets upset, he wants to leave because he's not getting the ball because he's not being schemed open. And so, we're, when you look at our passing game, I think we have a lot of work to do. And and, and that's as, as far as. Um, how we run routes, our route concepts, because guys just don't seem to be open, right? And I don't know if that's they can't get off the press, they can't get away from DBs, or they're not being schemed. Because when you look at Devontae Adams, when you look at Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, and all these guys, when they're playing other teams, I'm 100% sure that they're getting double teams sometimes. But they're schemed into routes where they can get the ball. They right. move around where they can get the ball. And that and that's what they do. So we have to do a better job of that with whoever the receiver is if, if we're going to uh, thrive in the passing game. Yeah. Quick question for you, Eric. Speaking of wide receivers, how is your son enjoying his time at Arizona State? We're actually transferring. I mean, they've had a lot of they had a lot of coaches had to leave. Right. <laughs> they had like six coaches had to leave. So he's transferring, trying to right now in the process of just trying to figure out what school is the best okay. fit for him. And, and 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 I told him, you know, it could be a small school. Because if you go to a Power Five school, they already have guys. You don't want to go somewhere. You only have two years of play that you you're only catching twenty balls a year. If you so go to a smaller school and you have an opportunity to catch a lot of ball. 
Well, you could send them over to Boise State. It's only an hour flight from <laughs> Seattle, and you can come watch them play. <laughs> I'm sure he would go if they if they were interested, in it, but they hadn't heard from them, so. Yeah. Yeah. So Make it happen, to, Dustin. Is it is he in the portal? Is that is he? He's so in the portal. He's in, oh, the portal. he's in the portal. Okay. So he's talked so. to a few schools, and, and where have you? Yeah, Allie, he's he's six four. He's tall. So he's, oh, he's yeah. A, yeah. So he's he's, a, he's a tall kid. He's got two years left. He said, right? Two years left. He's finally healthy up that ACL. So you're right. He could go to a small school and be, you know, be very productive because we've seen a lot of wide receivers go to smaller schools, be very successful and then get in the draft. Right. Because Cooper Cup went to Eastern Washington. As I say, as I say, Cooper Cup right up there in Eastern Washington. By the way, the alley, their turf is red. They have red turf there. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> Extra spicy. Oh, I, I like it. Or you send them, send them on down to Gamecock Country down here in South Carolina, play with Spencer Rattler over there for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Wouldn't be bad. Wouldn't I'm be sure bad, but I'm biased. If they gave him a call, he would be willing to do it. I'd love to go watch him. But, Eric, hey, this was great. Thank you for coming on. We always appreciate you. You're, you're a ton of fun, and uh, we appreciate your insight. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, All go right. Browns. Thank you. All right. <laughs> That is Browns legend Eric Metcalf. Um, he is the. Oops, sorry. I just. I just. Uh, oops, kicked him off. Sorry about that, Eric. Uh, apologies to him, um, Dustin. He's great. He's he's the best. We love having him on. He's he's a ton of fun. But uh, and by the way, guys, we didn't get into this, but you're going to get an Eric Metcalf signed. Here we go, Brownie's official hat. So drop your comments in there. We'll give that away. Uh, to one lucky winner that tuned in to listen to Eric Metcalf tonight. Yeah, uh, Dustin, might have to go a little bit over if that's okay with you. Just a couple Good more point. things to get to. Uh, yep. We want to give a, a big shout out to our sponsors, of course. Make sure you get your hands on that all Cleveland sandwich where you start out with Orlando Baking Company bread bun. You heard from Enzo Orlando last week, I believe he's the official the official fantasy guy for the Here We Go Brownies podcast. Then you throw on some five-star meats because there ain't no wiener like a five-star wiener. You top it off with some Cleveland ketchup. They've got a variety of flavors. And then, of course, some stadium mustard. Got to throw some of that on there. Guys, that is the all-Cleveland sandwich. Make sure you have your hands on that this offseason. Um, but, Dustin, you know, any, any closing thoughts as we wrap up? Um, of course, we didn't quite get to free agency in the draft. We'll talk about that. Uh, you know, we'll do more of a deep dive later on this offseason. But uh, uh, any closing thoughts on receivers, Super Bowl, anything like that? Um, you know, Super Bowl was fun. It was actually entertaining. Uh, that was probably the best part I enjoyed about the Super Bowl. It was actually somewhat entertaining. Sometimes they're just um, not entertaining. But from the halftime show to the actual game, it was a very entertaining game to watch. Um Another shout out, of course, to Eric Metcalf. Thank you for uh, coming he's on. He's always got great takes. Great takes. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he's got great insight and kind of can pull. I mean, he can totally take, as we talk about, take the lenses off. He can literally like, no, this is how it really is. And this is what's happening. So um, I appreciate his candor and how he can speak not only from a player's perspective, but kind of look at it from a fan perspective and what. Uh, we see as well. So always a pleasure to have Eric on. No, he he is the best. I mean, honestly, you're not going to get better perspective um, just from one, a fan perspective now that he's out of the game, but also from his playing days. Guys, I mean, this is a Browns legend. He knows the ins and outs, the X's and O's and what goes in 
um, you know, kind of behind the goes on behind closed doors. He's seen it. So just to be able to get that, man, we are so, so grateful to have Browns legend Eric Metcalf on the program. And Allie, if there's any any Ohio schools out there listening to this, there there is a Metcalf that is in a portal that you could add to your depth at wide receiver, just saying, and you could have another Metcalf in the state of Ohio, and I'm sure no one would have a problem with that. So there's that. Oh, I'll tell you what. If I was the head coach of any place, I'd bring him in right now. But I'm not. Uh, I'm just a host on this podcast, so <laughs> I don't have any weight to pull there. Guys, make sure that you also head on over to Lakewood. Get yourself some Angelo's Pizza. It's the best in the land. Start out with a buttery, crispy crust topped with uh layers and layers of whatever you want on it we always go for the pepperoni and cheese the classic uh but you can throw whatever you want on there they do it right head on over to lakewood get you some angelo's pizza dustin this was great fun show um thanks everybody for checking us out we'll catch you next week if we uh, just anticipate there to be news i i just think that this is going to be kind of a crazy off season yeah. so we'll keep you posted on all of it uh but as it stands right here right now, this is what we got. So, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, go Browns. Go Browns.